reached a relative degree of quiet, so I guess that's the cue to start. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to our uh, continued Sunday school uh, study of the book of Jeremiah. Um, before I introduce where we are, let me uh, open our time together with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we do uh, come this day and worship you and adore you uh, for your goodness toward us, um, goodness that is uh, completely uh, undeserved on our part. Uh, there's nothing in us uh, that merits um, such grace and favor that out of your loving kindness you bestow upon your people. So we thank you um, for the love that you've set upon us and that uh, through that love we in turn can love you and love one another. We pray that uh, you would give us um, humble hearts, hearts full of uh, repentance, that we would um, see our sin uh, and acknowledge it, uh, its offense uh, before you and, and turn from it and turn towards you uh, in faith and dependence and uh, obedience uh, to your word and to your commands. Lord, we thank you for how you've revealed yourself uh, to us, that you have not left us trapped uh, in darkness, uh, but you've given us uh, the light of your word um, through the prophets like Jeremiah, and pray that just as he um, spoke earnestly to the people, uh, encouraging them to repent, and he, he spoke earnestly to you, uh, laying before you um, his hurts, um, we pray that you would uh, give us uh, hearts uh, to trust in you, uh, even in the midst of discouragement and difficulty, uh, help us to trust in your goodness uh, and in your sovereign plan uh, that you're working all things uh, for good. We pray that you would give us uh, eyes and ears and hearts uh, to hear and see and receive your word this morning as we study and talk of it uh, together. Uh, may the same spirit that spoke to Jeremiah uh, teach us uh, this morning as we speak of these words uh, with one another. We ask all this in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, by the power of your spirit. Amen. All right, so last week, uh, after uh, the holiday Christmas hiatus, uh, we jumped back into the book of Jeremiah in chapter 14, and we're in this section of Jeremiah, like sometimes you see people label this section um, uh, the personal prophet. And, and we saw some of that last week uh, with this description. Um, chapter 14, if you remember, began with a vivid poetic description of a severe drought. Um, and we talked about how in Deuteronomy, God warned that such disasters would be part of the covenant curses if the people walked in disobedience, and the people were walking in disobedience. The people's utter failure to acknowledge their sin and repent of it had brought this drought and future judgments upon them. The main point in chapter 14 uh, was that nothing could stop the destruction of the nation that Jeremiah had tried to get to repent. The whole country, false prophets, priests, officials, and the king himself uh, lacked any sign of repentance. They were hardened by on any sign of changing, and therefore the judgment of God must ensue. And we spent a good bit of time last week uh, talking about um, this, this um, uh, you know, hard um, um, command that God gave to, to Jeremiah once again, as we'd seen earlier in the book, telling him not to pray for this people in this matter. Um, not because uh, they didn't need prayer, <laughs> clearly they did, but because um, God had determined that the judgment was going to befall them, and so prayers to avert that judgment at this time would be uh, futile. God knew the people would not repent, even as he sent Jeremiah to call them to repent. Uh, the people chose instead, we saw last week, to listen to those false prophets, prophets promising peace and ease allowing the people to stay in their sin without any repentance uh, when God is saying that uh, there will be no uh, salvation without repentance. So chapter 15 continues this dialogue 
Um, it actually, um, chapter 14 ended with a statement of Jeremiah, and, and chapter 15 is going to begin uh, with um, God's reply, and then it's going to continue in this dialogue between God and his prophet as Jeremiah uh, opens his heart and, and gives us a sense of the inner turmoil that accompanied his calling uh, as a prophet of God. So with that as a word of introduction, uh, hear now the word of God from Jeremiah chapter 15. Then the Lord said to me, though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my heart would not turn toward this people. Send them out of my sight and let them go. And when they ask you, where shall we go, you shall say to them, thus says the Lord, those who are for pestilence to pestilence, those who are for the sword to the sword, those who are for famine to famine, those who are for captivity to captivity. I will appoint over them four kinds of destroyers, declares the Lord, the sword to kill, the dogs to tear, and the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. And I will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth because of what Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, did in Jerusalem. Who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem, or who will grieve for you? Who will turn aside to ask about your welfare? You have rejected me, declares the Lord. You keep going backward. So I have stretched out my hand against you and destroyed you. I am weary of relenting. I have winnowed them with a winnowing fork in the gates of the land. I have bereaved them. I have destroyed my people. They did not turn from their ways. I have made their widows more in number than the sand of the seas. I have brought against the mothers of young men a destroyer at noonday. I have made anguish and terror fall upon them suddenly. She who bore seven has grown feeble. She has fainted away. Her son went down while is yet day. She has been shamed and disgraced. And the rest of them I will give to the sword before their enemies, declares the Lord. Woe is me, my mother, that you bore me, a man of strife and contention to the whole land. I have not lent, nor have I borrowed, yet all of them curse me. The Lord said, have I not set you free for their good? Have I not pleaded for you before the enemy in the time of trouble and in the time of distress? Can one break iron, iron from the north and bronze? Your wealth and your treasures I will give as a spoil without price for all your sins throughout all your territory. I'll make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. For in my anger, a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. For that, know that for your sake I bear reproach. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand was upon me, for you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing? my wound incurable, refusing to be healed. Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, I will restore you, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. May he uh, bless it as we speak of it together uh, this morning. So chapter 15, again, uh, continues this dialogue between God and Jeremiah with verses 1 through 9 of chapter 15, answering the question that Jeremiah had asked back in chapter 14, verse 19. 
Um, if you look there, you see Jeremiah asking, have you utterly rejected Judah? Does your soul loathe Zion? Why have you struck us down so that there is no healing for us? We look for peace, but no good came for a time of healing, but behold, terror. So in God's reply, um, he actually references three historical figures in the beginning of chapter 15, Moses, Samuel, and Manasseh. So how do these names from uh, Judah and Israel's past help us to understand the judgment that God has said is going to come in Judah's immediate future? So why, why bring up um, these three figures from Israel's past? And while you're thinking, I'm having breakfast, so... <laughs> Yeah, so think of how um, these are prior prophets. So, you know, and, and prophets, again, are in that mediating position of where they're, they're God's, we think of them as God's spokesperson to the people, but they also turn around and, and speak to God. You know, they, they present the people's case before God. Um, and in the case of both um, Moses and Samuel, um, it, it seems like God is referring to those moments. Think of those moments, and, and um, I've got some passages we can look at if we want to go there, um, or if you want to go there later, I can give you the passages. Both Moses and Samuel went before God and pleaded God to avert imminent destruction of God's people, and God turned that destruction away. So it seems to be referring to those cases where both Moses and Samuel interceded before God for the sake of God's people, and God relented uh, from bringing that judgment to pass. So it's, it's saying, even if those guys who, who did it, uh, who appeared before me, spoke on behalf of my people, and um, their in, because of their intercession, I did not bring destruction. Um, even if they were here, destruction, even if they were before me pleading the people's case, as Jeremiah is now doing, God's saying destruction would come. Um, again, it's, uh, there, there is not going to be any relenting of destruction. God's forbearance has come to an end. His, you know, God, uh, in terms of, uh, is patient uh, with his people, but that patience is, is at an end and judgment is gonna come. And it doesn't matter, like you can see how this might, Jeremiah, like if you're in that position, like am I not doing a good job as a prophet? Is that why you're not listening to me? He's like, no. <laughs> it's because their sin is so grievous and there is no turning, there, you know, none of them are turning from it. They're clinging to that, the, the horrible sin that um, judgment's going to come, and it, even if Moses was standing here before me, even if Samuel was standing before me, um, you know, these prophets who had interceded before the people uh, and, and God uh, relented in bringing judgment at that moment, even if they were here, he wouldn't change. So that, that gives us why why Samuel and Moses? Why bring up Manasseh? Fifty-five. Well, yeah, throughout, actually. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so 55 years. Um, and notice he, like, uh, Jeremiah, or, or um, God through Jeremiah, you know, because of what Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, did in Jerusalem. So, if you remember, Hezekiah was good, uh, a good king, 
His son, Manasseh, was, is amongst the most evil kings that, that ever lived. And, and as you pointed out, like, he reigned for 55 years and stamped his, you know, his evil practices, um, you know, and particularly the thing that, that um, you know, gets brought out most about Manasseh is the fact that um, he promoted, actively promoted child sacrifice, um, you know, burning children uh, to Molech. Um, so, you know, his evil left an imprint on the land of Judah that his son, you know, who comes to the throne after him, uh, Josiah, tries to bring about reforms, but, you know, can't, his reign's cut short, you know, and his reforms, uh, as, as we've seen earlier in the book of Jeremiah, t tend to be only kind of like skin deep, doesn't get to the, the Manasseh left such an evil imprint uh, on Judah, and his sins needed to be punished. Um, and, and God said, is saying, that sin that he did, you know, and particularly like the, you know, the killing of children has to be punished. Like it, it can't go unpunished. And that punishment is going to come. Good. What, what else about um, the description here we have in these, in God's reply to Jeremiah's um, question, like why are you bringing judgment? Um, what else strikes you about God's reply here in verses 1 through 9 of chapter 15? No, that's a great point, Grant, but there's a limit to, to them as mediators. Um, in our Bible study, we've been doing Deuteronomy, and like <laughs> uh, the beginning of Deuteronomy kind of begins with this recounting of history, and Moses, like multiple times, is like, can I go into the promised land? <laughs> and God's like, no, because of the sin you committed, you're not going to get, you're, you're going to get punished. So, and, and then think of, of, of Samuel and his sons and like the evil that came out of his own household. Like um, th this idea of, you know, these prophets. Yeah, I, I love how you said it. there's a limit to their, uh, what they can do for the people because they can't, can't do what the people really need. Um, they, they can encourage the people to repent, but they can't actually take away the people's sin. And, and that's what the people need. They need that perfect mediator who presents a perfect, um, uh, a perfect reflection of righteousness in pleading before God uh, on behalf of his people. Um, and that's what we need. So yeah, so thank you for bringing us to Christ because uh, that is, like, this chapter is about the, the limitation of prophets. Um, we'll see, uh, not to get there yet, but, you know, we'll see Jeremiah, like, <laughs> there's a limit <laughs> to what he can bear. <laughs> like, he, he's throwing out some pretty um, severe complaints and accusations against God. And what does God tell him at the end of this chapter? You need to repent. Like, you know, so what we need is a, a, a mediator, a prophet, who doesn't have to repent for himself and then you know, encourage others to repent. We need a, a perfect intercessor, which is Christ, the New Testament tells us. Other things about verses 1 through 9 before we get into um, the section that the ESV calls Jeremiah's complaint. Again, very graphic description of, you know, this, this, like, the people are like, well, where shall we go? <laughs> those for pestilence to pestilence, those for the sword to the sword, those for famine to famine, 
those for captivity, captivity. So, like, you know, they're, they're, God has destinations for them. That's just not very good ones. Yeah, he is being true to exactly what he has told them is going to happen. Um, and we saw this last week in terms of the drought. Like, he, he tells them in Deuteronomy, you know, if you turn to other idols and other gods, I will bring drought upon this land. If you keep doing it, I will drive you out of the land. So everything that um, God is saying uh, through Jeremiah here is exactly what he had said back in the book of Deuteronomy. Um, and and he, he's through Jeremiah, and he's telling Jeremiah, the moment for the judgment has come. Um, and as he says, uh, you know, it's not just, well, Manasseh was bad, so, you, you know, 100 years later, you're getting punished. No, <laughs> uh, Manasseh was bad, and you keep doing the same bad things that he was doing. So it's not like sometimes when we hear the like curses falling upon future generations, we're like, well, that's not fair. It's like, no, they're doing these same evil things that uh, Manasseh had done. Um, and the rejection is, is, is current, you know, as we see in verse um, six, you have rejected me, declares the Lord. You keep going backward. Like, I love that idea. Like, you know, he's, he's turning them, calling them to turn and repent uh, and, you know, turn their face toward him and they're turning their back to him. Like, so, like, and, and he says, so I've stretched out my hand against you and destroyed you. I am weary of relenting. So it's like the forbearance of God has come to an end and judgment is going to come. And, and actively sent, like, you know, it's not just sort of like, all right, I'm going to sit down, wait, see what happens, see it. No, he's, he's actively going after them, you know, through his prophets, prophet after prophet after prophet. Uh, he's sent to them, trying to get them to repent. And they, their hearts are hard. They're committed. Like, they don't, they want the peace that's promised. They want the blessings of the covenant but they don't want it to follow any of the stipulations of the covenant. They, they don't want anything to do with obedience. They don't want anything to do with repentance. And, and, and God said, that's it. Like, I've been for, you know, patient with you, um, but all these covenant curses, as uh, John rightly pointed out from Deuteronomy, they're all going to come, like, to pass. Like, my, my patience with this people is is at its limit. There's also a sort of sad reversal of many of the other promises and covenants given. The sands of sea? Isaiah, who for 
Yeah, and instead of all the nations of the earth being blessed through them, they're becoming a horror, a terror before all the nations. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. All these promises and the language, like, you know, there's a lot of Abrahamic language in this section, but as you say, reversed. Um, so instead of getting the blessings of the covenant, the blessings of those promises that God made to Abraham, they are reaping the curses, which is the reverse of, the, of many of those promises. You know, rather than these children being a blessing, um, they are, they're, they're a curse as this mother sees them slaughtered before her. Like, and if you think like, my dad was the seventh son of the seventh son, which I, I like to tell him in certain West African cultures means he's a witch doctor. Um, but, but, but you think like seven sons, like seven being that uh, one of the numbers of completion in, in, um, in Hebrew. Uh, so it's like, you know, the perfect family, like in that sense, like completeness. Um, you know, and in an era like, you know, your children are your welfare system. Um, you know, so like, it's not just the present blessing of those children, but you know, like, that's her future. Like, you know, she will be, so like, you, this mother who like, and I love the description here, who like at like noonday, like this is her son, it's bright um, and everything looks good. And in a moment it's, it's gonna turn be turned to darkness. And what should have been blessing is, is now all curse. Yeah, I think that's, some people get into this, well, you wouldn't expect an attack at noonday and they get in all this, like, this is kind, like, no, I think it's more that, that kind of picture of, yeah, you know, it, you're not expecting at this stage in your life to, to see your children decease before you. Like, you know, um, you, you, you know you're, you're expecting, uh, you know, the rest of your life, like, you know, is, is gonna be this kind of beautiful afternoon <laughs> leading to a gorgeous sunset and then, um, but no, at, at noonday, that's when this darkness is gonna befall you. So yeah, at the very moment you think it's all good, you see God's judgment and you see the evil that you've done for what it is. Yes. 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 Yeah. And and that's the problem. They they want the benefits. They don't want the obedience. <laughs> they want the blessings, um, but they they don't want to to follow. Um, the, the statutes, the commandments that God's given them. Um, they want the peace, but they don't want the repentance that, that is necessary to bring about the peace. Um, all right, well, let's, um, uh, I wanna spend the rest of our time, uh, so if you have an ESV, uh, um, you get this um, heading before verse 10 of uh, Jeremiah's complaint. It's actually uh, a, a continued dialogue uh, between God and Jeremiah. And we get um, the prophet uh, complaining, <laughs> if we want to use that word, uh, twice. Um, he, so he, we have a, his initial complaint in verse 10, and then a sub God gives an answer to that first complaint. And then we have a subsequent complaint in verses 15 through 18. So I figure we can kind of take these in, in like, rather than, I, I, I struggle with, do we do all the complaints and all God's answer, or then do each complaint and God's answer, complaint and answer? So I, I decided on complaint and answer. So let's focus on the first complaint in verse 10. Um, so what is Jeremiah saying in, in verse 10, and, and what's God's response um, to that complaint? Yeah. 
he rejects being born. And, and think about in the context of, of Jeremiah what that means. Like we, we saw in chapter one, like he, he was born for a specific purpose. Like he, from his mother's womb, God called him to be a prophet. Um, so he's born to be a prophet and at this moment, he, he wishes he was never born. Um, and that's a really uh, striking statement. So why? What, what's brought him so low that, you know, he, he's doing the, I wish I was never born? Yeah, so he, he's referencing the treatment he's receiving from the people around him. And he's being treated, like we might say, he's, you know, like he's being treated like a leper. Um, you know, he's being treated like, like why borrowing and lending? Like, this is like in, in this and uh, our societies as well. Like, how many disputes of your, you know, with neighbors start over you borrowed something from me and you never returned it. <laughs> kind of like, like, you know, borrowing and lending is, is the root of so much social discord. Um, and, uh, you know, well, you know, you know, like, you know, that, you know, people get ostracized for that. Like grievances are created from these kinds of practices. And he's saying, I haven't done any of that. <laughs> like, and yet, that's the way I'm being treated. I'm being socially ostracized as if I've uh, committed these offenses to my friends and neighbors, and as we saw back in chapter 12, even his own family um, is, in a sense, rejecting him. So yeah, so like, think how, you know, he, he's being cursed by everybody. God has sent him to be his prophet, his messenger. He's called him from the womb to speak these words to the people, and the people are cursing him for it. Like, imagine how incredibly frustrating <laughs> that is going to, like, again, I love Jeremiah because he's honest, and he gives us, like, like, sometimes we can paint this, oh, you know, like, Oh, it's easy to be the fish swimming against the stream. Like, you know, like the little Christian fish going against the stream. No, <laughs> that's really hard. Um, and in this case, not just swimming against the stream, but like, you know, running the gauntlet, like being beaten <laughs> as you're trying to, to swim against the stream. Like, it is incredibly difficult to be this isolated and to be singled out. And again, he, as we saw earlier, he's not sing being singled out for who he is, but for who he represents. He, he represents God, like, and they are pouring their vitriol on God, against God's word out on Jeremiah because he's the one they're speaking of. Scott, you had your hand. You know, he, he, yeah, he, he feels like, you know, I'm stuck <laughs> and I'm not getting anywhere. Yeah, no matter what I try, um, nothing happens. And we're going to see later uh, in chapter 20, like, again, this isn't the only time Jeremiah feels this, says this, expresses this. Chapter 20, he's like, that's it, I'm done, out. Oh, I can't. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, I, I like, he, he feels the burden for his people to speak them. And as we'll see a little later here, he loves the word of God. He, you know, it's joy to him. Um, uh, but that thing that is a joy to him isn't bringing joy when he's expressing it, like, because of the way the response to it. Like, the word itself is joyful to him but the re people's response to it is, is, is why he feels cursed.
I, I think you're absolutely right, Jay, that he is teaching Jeremiah, like, like this is the, re the rejection you're receiving is the rejection that is, you know, it's against me. Like, you're experiencing what, like, the people who I love and long to bless have, are cursing me um, and are going after other gods. They've turned their backs on me. Um, you know, and, you know, the very thing you're experiencing, as you say, that is what God, he's putting them in what God's, God's experience, which is part, as we get into God's answer, like, <laughs> like when I first read this, like maybe, actually, like the first dozen times I read this, um, I was like, how is God's response, um, you know, I don't know, helpful. <laughs> um, but he, he, goes, he goes into, like, have I not set you free for their good? Have I not pleaded for you before the enemy in time of trouble and the time of distress? Can one break iron from the north and bronze? Your wealth and your treasures I will give a spoil without price. For all your sins throughout all your territory, I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know for in my anger, a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. Like, like, wait, how does that answer Jeremiah? Like, this isn't, uh, let, well, George, you really did have a wonderful life. <laughs> um, kind of like happy ending. It's like, no, <laughs> uh, he's trying to teach Jeremiah, like, what you're going through is like a fraction of, of, what God has experienced. She's also pointing out Jeremiah's lack of faith in the beginning of the book, in chapter one, when he calls him. Uh, he says in Jeremiah one eighteen, and I, behold, I made you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the fishermen, against the priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. And there's this idea that everything that God is saying here points back to, to the declaration that he made when he called Jeremiah. And now Jeremiah's faith is coming into question, too. It's a different problem that he has than the problem that the people or that Jews ultimately finds in Ruth in lack of trust in God. And even when he doesn't want to. <laughs> yeah, and there are lots. I'm glad you brought up chapter one because um, in, in both replies to, so, so to both complaints, um, that bronze comes up. Like he, in both, God's response to both of Jeremiah's complaints here in, in chapter 15, um, God takes them back to those original promises. And like you say, he, he promised not only to, you know, to be his defender, make you an iron pillar, a bronze wall. He had also told him, you know, just before that, um, like th this idea that, um, you know, don't be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. Like, so this idea, like he's been told ahead of time, like, look, and, and we see it, that, that same kind of thing here um, in, I'm 
again, it's hard for me to like separate. <laughs> like this is why I went back and forth. Do I do them one and one or do I do them all as a big whole? Um, this idea, um, oh, where, where is it? Um, they shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. So like, you know, part of this, this Jeremiah is in this position of, of, of acting like the people themselves. Um, and, and, and God has said, do not be dismayed by them lest I dismay you before them. Like, and so in his dismay, God again is, is reminding him of this promise like, yeah, you know, you're going to suffer a lot of abuse, but I, your life is in my hands. And, and, you know, as we think of it, like he lives through all this destruction that's going to come. Like, you know, he, he's going to live through it all. Like, and, and like, we, we haven't even gotten to death. <laughs> we, we've seen death threats. Uh, a little later, we're going to see open discussions of whether or not they should kill him. <laughs> like, it's a matter of public debate. People are weighing in. Uh, you know, it's not just, like, a single person. Like, it's, like, open debate. Shall we kill Jeremiah or not? Um, we're going to see him thrown into... To, you know, we're going to see him thrown into shackles. We're going to see him thrown into the bottom of a, a, a cistern in prison. Like, horrible things are going to befall him, but, but God's going to protect him through all that. Um, and there's an irony. Um, there's a different... Um, uh, let's see if I can find... the. There's a different uh, way of translating um, in... Uh, so... Uh, where's my verse? Um, sorry. Um, in, in verse uh, 11, um, it, it could be translated, surely I will deliver you for a good purpose. Surely I will cause, or, or maybe it's, yeah, verse, that part of verse 11. I will cause the enemy to entreat you in times of trouble and distress. Um, so, so God is, is saying, I'll deliver you. And the people who are against you and oppressing you, they're going to come to you for aid. And we're going to see that in Jeremiah. The very people who, you know, we don't want to hear what Jeremiah has to say, let's kill them, are, are going to come and say, Jeremiah, what should we do? <laughs> and, and Jeremiah's going to say, throw down your arms and surrender to the Babylonians. Like, God has given the city over into their hands. Don't resist the judgment of God. The more you resist, the more judgment's going to befall you. And they don't want to listen to that. Um, but, you know, the very enemies that are pressing him now, uh, God is saying, are, are the people who, again, you're, who, you know, you're sent for their good, for this good purpose, to plead on their behalf. And they're going to come to you. And, and again, the problem is with their refusal to listen to my word through you their failure to, to repent, their failure to obey when I give them a clear command. No, they're singular. <laughs> I had the same... Um, yeah, I think they're most... It, when I'm looking at it, most of them were singular. And, and a lot of people, this, the exact same words are going to show up again, um, I believe it's in chapter 17. Um, uh, I didn't write that down, but we're going to see the exact same words again. So some, like some people are like, you know, why does this show up? Like, like, you know, liberal critics are like, see, this is an odd stick in here that doesn't fit what's going on. But, but I think it's like, as we've been saying, um, you know, it, God is, is saying, like, the dismay that you're feeling, I feel that dismay in having to bring this judgment upon my own people. Like, I, I think that's the kind of, like, he's kind of, like, putting, he's putting Jeremiah's complaint in perspective. Um, maybe that's the way to kind of think of it. Um, that, you know, think of kids' complaints. Or think of your own complaints, like, <laughs> like you know, and then you kind of like put your, like whatever you're complaining, like whatever's, you know, dragging you down in a bigger perspective and you realize, ugh, yeah, 
I guess I don't have it that bad after all. <laughs> um, you know, like, in the face of coming total destruction, I'm with you. Um, think what's going to happen to, like, yes, these people, they're abusing you, they're, you know, um, they're isolating you, but, but think what's going to happen to them. Like, remember their end. Like, it's kind of like, again, sort of taking Jeremiah a little bit out of himself, I think in putting them into this situation, let's look at the big picture. Um, well, let's roll into we, the, to the second complaint. So if the first complaint is, you know, woe is me, I wish I was never born, um, the people are cursing me, uh, what's going on in the second complaint? And you can find this in verses 15 through 18. So what is, what is Jeremiah saying to God here? And again, I love the, the openness, the honesty. Maybe it goes a bit too far here. Yeah, so um, let me, uh, I think you're absolutely right saying it's David-like. And this is a psalm of David, Psalm 26, um, and listen to um, verses 3 to 5 and, and see. Uh, For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers. I will not sit with the wicked like... So there is a lot of that, like, I'm doing all the things you've called me to do. Um, and we'll see in the later chapter, or the later, the next chapter, <laughs> like, he, he's explicitly told, don't go to parties. Don't go to funerals. Don't get married. Like, so all these, like, social events that are, um, but but he's, he's positioning it here exactly like, they, like I don't, um, I don't sit uh, with the scoffers. I'm not um, entering the, the houses uh, of those, um, you know, who are, uh, you know, against you. Um, but, but then he, he kept, maybe takes it a little far um, when he, uh, as you say, asks this question, both why, why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? So it's that, like, God is, is promised to be this fountain of everlasting water, and instead, you know, it's a seasonal stream. <laughs> um, you know, a wadi that is dry for most of the year, has water only during the rating season, and then the rest of it. So you like rainy season, you can, oh, look, a bountiful river. And no, it's deceitful. <laughs> like uh, it dries up for 10 months of the year. And that's what he's, uh, you know, or he's uh, in a sense accusing God. Like, have you deceived me and promised me, you know, this, this fountain of water and instead you're a dry brook, like not giving me what I need. Um, so, so in many ways, yeah, he starts well, starts with very Davidic language. He also, there's a lot of Ezekiel here. Um, Ezekiel also talk, talks about, your words were found and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So, again, it's not all bad <laughs> being a prophet. There's tremendous, he loves God's word. It's a joy to him, a delight. Um, he loves that he bears God's name upon him. Like he, he realizes what a blessing that is. But, <laughs> um, you know, I'm alone. I'm rejected. Um, uh, you know, and again, the isolation. Um, I kept thinking when I was reading this, um, Benjamin Franklin 
um, tells a story, and as always, Benjamin Franklin tells great stories. Uh, he, when he went on one of his transatlantic passages, some guy on ship committed an offense, like kind of social offense, against one of the other crew members, and to kind of like have a good time, uh, and the guy refused to apologize. So um, Franklin's like, no, we can't let this go, go unpunished. So he, he conducts a mock trial um, with him as judge. Um, they bring witnesses, and they sentence the guy. Uh, either he apologizes and, and makes good his apology with, um, I can't remember, some quantity of alcohol uh, <laughs> um, to smooth things over. Uh, he can either do that or nobody will talk to him. Takes one week for the guy to cave. Like, <laughs> the silent treatment for one week. And it's like, no, I can't do it. Like, you know, to, so like, think of that. Like, you're on a ship and nobody on that ship is going to talk to you. <laughs> like, how isolating that is. For some reason, that, that picture, like, and that's kind of like the way I was thinking of how Jeremiah is feeling. He's on this ship um, and he's been put on this ship to be a blessing to it. And, and the people are cursing him, and, and, and he's completely isolated, and he's alone. Um, it's very much like we see, uh, like, Elijah, you know, after the confrontation. Like, it's, it's just me. Um, and, you know, you, you see this uh, in the prophets of how isolating, even their good calling, like, you know, the thing that delights them, um, the, the pain that that calling can, can cause, particularly in this feeling of social isolation. So that's what Jeremiah's feeling. How does God uh, reply or answer this one? So what, how does Jeremiah, or God answer Jeremiah's second complaint here? Yeah, Cynthia. Yeah, so I think some of it is, that, and that word return there, like that's, you know, it, it could also, if you repent, like because repent, repentance is a turning to God. He, in a sense, God is telling him the exact same message that Jeremiah has been telling to the people. <laughs> um, you know, and it, it's the way that God is, is reminding Jeremiah, you are in the same situation as these people. You have to, to repent. Um, and seek restoration for me, just as the people have to repent and seek restoration for me. Yeah, he, he's basically just accused God of being deceitful. Like, you, you know, you, you promised me something and, and you're not following through. Like, so you lied to me. 
Um, yeah, he's calling into question God's words. And notice how God's response, um, just as you said uh, in, in, in regards to um, the first answer, God takes them back to the promises. You know, uh, they shall fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. Notice all the, the language, salvific language there. Save, deliver, redemption. Like, you know, he, he's, he's calling them back to these promises to trust in God's salvation. Not in your circumstances, but trust in the promises of God. And this, you know, you know one, of, or one of many reasons this is helpful for us, because I think this is, like, where we are, like, all the time. Like, it's so easy to get um, bogged down into our current circumstances and forget the promises of God. Um, to, uh, it's easy in the midst of present circumstances to call into question God's character, to call into question the truth of God's word. Um, but, you know, that's what God is calling them back to. Like, you know, I'm the one who will deliver you. I'm the one who will redeem you. I'm the one who will save you. They, yes, they'll fight against you, but they're not going to prevail. You know, so he, he's calling him to repentance and reminding him of the very things that God has promised him from the beginning. And again, like uh, as Chris took us to chapter one earlier, these are all things that God told Jeremiah at the outset. When, like, you know, Jeremiah's a teenager and, it, you know, like, you know, has that teenage indestructibility mentality. <laughs> you know, it's all going to be good. Uh, and he doesn't yet understand, you know, what it really is going to be like. And then when he starts to experience what it's really like to be God's prophet, uh, you know, he becomes, he starts to come unglued. Um, and he lashes out against God in a way that's not proper. Um, and so he, too, needs to repent um, and and this will we'll close with this, but it makes a nice segue back to what uh, Grant pointed us to early on, that he, he too, like Moses, like Samuel, is an imperfect mediator, is an imperfect prophet. And, and we need a perfect mediator. Uh, we need a perfect prophet. We'll need someone who, who, who doesn't just call us to repentance, but can give us repentant hearts. Um, who can take away the, the destructive penalties for our sin that deserve it, take them away from us because he bears them on our behalf. Um, so as we love Jeremiah, he's great, <laughs> but he's, he's not our redeemer. He's not Israel's or, or Judah's uh, redeemer. They need a redeemer, and they need this God who is able to save, able to deliver, able to redeem. That's Jeremiah's hope, and that's the hope for us, is this the God who is able to be true to his word, the God who is faithful to his promises, um, his covenant blessings that he's promised to giving, um, and he's able to achieve those blessings uh, through his perfect covenant mediator, our Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, so let me close uh, there with a word of prayer. Gracious God, we do thank you for Jesus. Um, that he is um, our perfect uh, prophet. Uh, he speaks your word uh, truly to us. Um, he, he was your living word, um, but he also uh, pleads on behalf of his people before you. Uh, he's our perfect uh, high priest, uh, that he made uh, a sacrifice uh, once for all uh, that atoned uh, for our sins uh, and, and cleansed us uh, with his perfect sacrificial blood. Uh, and he is our perfect king. Um, even as we see uh, uh, kings uh, in the line of David um, who did awful things uh, like Manasseh, uh, he is uh, the perfect king uh, ruling and reigning over us. Um, and we thank you for making us a part of his kingdom. And we ask that uh, his kingdom uh, would come and that he would rule over it uh, and that we would see uh, that uh, and the world would see 
that salvation uh, only comes from the Lord. Lord, uh, these words uh, bring us, um, should humble us, uh, bring us to an end to ourselves, uh, help us to see the limitations um, of our sinful selves, but help us uh, uh, know our need for a perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, so as we come with humble hearts, uh, help us to rejoice uh, in your word uh, and in our great Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, even as we worship him together in the coming hour. We lift us all up. In Christ's matchless name, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.